It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. But every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. I know, I know, I know, like I said yesterday, you're supposed to be very worried about the implications of hotter days and hotter nights. You are supposed to be very worried about it, but I also know lots of people looking forward to a bit of good summer weather. And like I said yesterday morning, it is possible to feel the same, the two things at the same time. To be absolutely thrilled to look out and see that in July, if you've got children uh, at home on holidays and you want to be able to take them out and do stuff with them. You want to look out and see lovely weather like that. But you can also be worried about the climate at the same time. The two are not mutually exclusive. Just in case anybody thinks that they are. Good morning, Thursday morning. A lot to do today, so let's get straight to it. 0818 96 96 96. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Story that broke literally a couple of hours ago is this incredible deal that's been done between the HSE and a place called HCB, which is a hospital in Denia in Spain, which is in the Alicante region, and effectively people who are on waiting lists for hip operations, cataracts and other such surgeries here in this country are to be going to Denia in Spain, to the HCB, the Hospital Clinica Benidorm, to have the work done there. Not only that, but there's a credit union going to help them to do it. Neve Griffin, who's health correspondent of the Irish Examiner, is actually in uh, the Alicante region at the moment. You're about to visit that hospital today, Neve. Tell us about it. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks very much. Um, yes, we are going up to see the hospital this morning. And just to, to clarify, it's not um, a HSE deal. The HSE will, f- directly with the hospital, I suppose, the HSE will refund patients who have treatment here, but they need to individually apply and have their treatment you know, yes. approved before they can come out. 
um, just in case people think they can hop on a plane yeah. and fly straight over. There's obviously, um, there's obviously small is, print, I suppose, yeah. Always, unfortunately, Michael, oh, PJ, always. Um, so I suppose they, a lot of people listening might be aware of the cataract buses that go up to Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, taking people to get care there. So this is under the same EU scheme, the cross-border health directive. But you can go to Spain, to Poland, to wherever you want. And this Spanish private hospital has seen an opportunity, I suppose, and they're going to cater directly for Irish patients. Um, and they're apparently going to offer Irish food, Irish newspapers, and all of the staff speak English up there um, to make it easy for you to come over. So it's a way, if you're on a waiting list and you're waiting for your hips or your cataracts to be looked at, and the waiting lists, as you've highlighted many times yourself, are horrendous. Mm-hmm. So people can come here get a loan from the credit union to pay because you have to pay the cost yourself but then the HSC will reimburse you. And what kind of procedures will they perform, Neve? Yeah, well, one I met a Cork man out here yesterday from Ballyfehan, Michael Carroll, who had cataract surgery done. So that's a daily procedure. So he's just staying out here with his wife um, for about a week and a half, I think. And he had his eyes done and he said, it's perfect. He was telling me yesterday we were speaking in a a, a garden where, in one of the hotels here and he said that he wouldn't have been able to see to the end of the garden a few days before that, um, clearly. So they're, and they're also going to do hip replacements, um, weight loss surgery, but only again if it's approved by a doctor. So, you know, not cosmetic surgery. Okay. Um, so you can... Go and talk to your GP if you're on a waiting list, really, would be the the advice, I suppose. In terms of uh, paying and credit unions, there's even a major credit union is doing the heavy lifting for people. Yes, so this is a big deal because if you were coming, um, the HSE were saying if you were coming for a hip replacement, it could cost up to €10,000. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have that lying around in my bank no. to, you know, to, to fork out. So this an, an agent called Healthcare Abroad is now working with um, the Irish Credit Union. So you would go to Healthcare Abroad and they'll help you get your letters from your doctor and get everything approved. And then they'll go to the credit union and help you get a loan through um, for them. And First South Credit Union said if you, you can even open a brand new account with them and put in five euro and they'll take you wow. because they're, they're, they know they're getting the money back from the HSE. So it's a risk-free prospect and there are not a lot of risk-free prospects, I suppose, out there anymore. Indeed. So, so even if you haven't traditionally got a credit union account and you think that you might be availing of a scheme like this, you can head down there now with a five or a tenner, open the account and then when it comes around for your hip replacement or your cataract or whatever, this agency will do the heavy lifting. You don't need to worry. The money will be paid and then the HSE will reimburse. And do they reimburse directly to the credit union then? Uh, they reimburse to the person. Right. So you'd pay off your loan in the normal way. I see. And what I understand is it's expected to take about 12 weeks. Yeah. So you'd have very little interest or extra payments on that. But the credit union said they'll go through all of that financial side. So they have nothing, obviously, to do with the, the, the other side of it. But they'll go through everything with you and make sure you're not um, caught out. Because yeah. there is always lots of small print, isn't there? Oh, indeed. Now, I know that this so isn't a first in that quite a number of people go 
from Ireland to Spain under the cross uh, the the cross border directive. But this is the first time I think we have a, 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 an actual hospital set up to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. Last year, um, 517 people went. So much smaller numbers than would go to Northern Ireland. And I think maybe people were put off by not being able to search online, maybe not speaking Spanish, different things. So this would make it a lot more streamlined um, for people to go over. Um, it's just a shame, really. They can't get care in their own hospitals, you know, without without all of this, isn't it? Just thinking uh, there have got to be private hospitals up and down the country who would be able to do this, but these are the questions we we never seem to get the answers to. Neve, thank you. Yeah, you're going to see the hospital. You're, you're going to see the hospital now, are you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. We're heading up there now this morning, so we're going to meet the staff. And uh, I'm interested to find out why they focused on Ireland and you know what what they've told us they'll be offering Irish food. So we'll find out what that's going to be. Indeed, indeed. And the HSE officials are over there today as well, just to to be they'll be there for the yes, officials. Yes, check it out. All right, mm-hmm. Neve. Thank you very much. That's Neve Griffin, health car correspondent of the Irish Examiner speaking to me from the Alicante region the official opening of Hospital Clinica Benidorm this is a private hospital in a place called Denia offering foreign patient care to Irish people they have all the staff speak English they love Irish newspapers they love Irish food like talk about sussing something out and offering a service where it's needed and if you Go and have a tenor, literally, in First South Credit Union. There's another, now it's a commercial company, so clearly there's something in it for them. Healthcareabroad.ie will actually do all the heavy lifting for you, sort out the money from the credit union, sort out the payment to the hospital, then when you get reimbursed, the, the credit union will take it. It's, it's, it's what they've been doing with the cataract buses up and down the country, but instead they're taking people over to Spain. <coughs> for lots and lots of other different procedures. PJ, why can't the private hospitals do the cataract operations? No problem for private patients. A three-week wait. CUH is notifying people of extensive waiting list. That's in from Mick. And it is a question worth asking, if there was anyone to ask it of, in terms of there's got to be, there's got to be space in private hospitals up and down this country. Now, look, the bonds is very busy. The matter private is very busy all of the time. But you'll get into them. There's got to be private hospitals up and down the country. It's great, though, isn't it? Oh, wait, and there's Michael. Michael from Ballyfihan, having a little holiday with his wife in a lovely part of Spain and getting his eyes sorted at the same time. Got to be, you've got to be happy for him, don't you? 0818 96 96 96. Just on the subject of health... Uh, we got this in the other morning and I'm apologising to Anne because I didn't get to read it yesterday but it was an email, COVID related and I hear Co- Colm Henry in the news this morning so it's it's very relevant uh, this is the, the HSE's clinical officer Colm Henry talking about the worries for the winter and the worries for the, the autumn Anne says at least we're being told where the highest COVID hotspots are right now but PJ, how many thousands of them are there? Ireland seems open for tourist visitors with no rules at all. To be honest, why don't the government or someone else, at least in in HSE, recommend full wearing of masks on public transport, in shops, in most crowded places, to protect further transmission or prevent further transmission? Or are they just using a scenario that says, let it loose? 
vaccines won't be needed as much in these areas for another few months. Yeah, the let it rip isn't working, Anne, even though it is fairly ripping through the community. Um, but it's, look, it's going to be very worrying in the winter. Um, we used to do the numbers here every couple of days. Stopped doing that. Stopped doing that. I, I hope I never have to go back to doing that. More coming. Kevin says, can someone explain to me in simple English why we're not building a hospital in Ireland to deal with these types of surgery rather than taking over a Spanish hospital? Again, a very logical question. A very, very logical question. I have a relative going to Dusseldorf for a hip operation and she's in negotiations with her credit union for four weeks for the money. It's not an easy process. Well, that would appear to be the purpose of this company, um, healthcareabroad.ie, and there's one particular credit union, First First South Credit Union, uh, is is involved in this whole process as well. 0818-969696. Sunday mornings, Corks 96 FM brings you The Arts House. Interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info and the very latest film news. The Arts House. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 till 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Keeping Cork families happy and healthy with the new season queen. Corks 96 FM. Sure, I forgot to mention this morning any of our French community living in Cork. Uh, bonjour. Uh, happy, Mar- happy Bastille Day to you all. It's the French national holiday today. And to any of our listeners in France or with any connection to France or any Francophile listeners who just love the place, have the Marseillaise as their telephone ringtone, they're, they're out there. Today's Bastille Day. And uh, happy Bastille Day to you all, particularly to Jer, who texts me to remind me, uh, a lover of all things French. Not too sure about a tune, Jer, but happy Bastille Day to you anyway. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Childcare providers had a protest yesterday outside Leinster House as the crisis in childcare just threatens to get worse and worse and worse. And a lot of the providers who went to protest yesterday were from Cork and um, joined again on the opinion line by Elaine Dunn, who's chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. You're telling us, Elaine, that you've heard of five more businesses alone from Cork yesterday that are threatening closure or about to close. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Yes, uh, we were speaking um, to some of the TDs in Leinster House yesterday and a, and a TD, Padraig O'Sullivan, um, he's very much in support of what we're doing and it's really helping us along the way. And he said that he's hearing of service closures down in Cork as well. Mm. What Which are the is big very issues worrying. here? It's going on all over the country. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, again, it is the small fish in the pond that are being drowned out by this new core funding. And and that's the reality, you know, that they, and I keep saying this over and over again, we went out there, you know, we did a protest there a few weeks ago and we asked for a hundred euros. So then we came back to the drawing board and we spoke with an economist and, and another lady who helps us a lot. And uh, we went back and we said, okay, we can have a viable business if we can get 76 euros per child, which works out at 30 million for government. Okay, just for people who wouldn't be familiar, that would be €76 per child per week, is that right? Per week, yes, for the ECC children, okay? okay. So these are the little small services that run for three hours a day. 
Okay. 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 So it works out at 30 million in total. And in the greater scheme of things, it's not an awful lot of money to be found. And, and how much so, do you get presently? Um, at the moment, we're on 69 euros. So we went, we started this scheme in 2010 and we were on 64.50. We are now 2022 and we're on 69 euros. So that's 4.30 an hour per child. It's just not workable. Mm. And look where the cost of living has gone. Absolutely. The rate of inflation, 9.6. It's just not workable. So we did this protest yesterday um, in Dublin. And as you can see, we got the top story on Virgin Media yesterday. I mean, we're not telling lies here. We are just saying it as it is. We did a lot of providers up from Cork yesterday. And um, it, it was just from all over Ireland, to be fair, but there was a large number from Cork. And it's really important that we keep up this pressure because they, we're not going away at all. Um, I did have a meeting with Michael McGrath on Tuesday mm-hmm. night and I told him the whole story of what was going on and I explained it in very simple layman's terms how how bad the, this funding has been and he's, uh, he's going back to look for a meeting with Roderick O'Gorman again to discuss where we can go because obviously the department keep telling them there isn't a problem. But as I said, we're not out there protesting outside Leinster House and walking up to the Department of Children for the good of our health. Yeah. We're doing this to have a business that is viable. I mean, we keep hearing about it, but we will. The sustainability fund is there from the Department of Children. We don't want to be sustained. We want to be viable. They're yeah. two different things. Outline that for me, Elaine, because some people make that point and maybe listeners don't grasp it. You don't. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. No, do you want to ask me a question? Sorry. No, no go ahead. And do what you just said. No. So the department keep coming out with this. Oh, but there's a sustainability fund there. So I've spoken to different accountants for with different providers over the last couple of months. And the accountants have said to us, if you reach a point where you are unsustainable, you've got to close your business because no matter what you get as a, from the sustainability fund, you are still going to run into issues six months later. So in order to be viable, there must be a, you know, a profit in your business sure. to continue to build up your business and keep your operational costs going. Give the provider an actual wage because most of these small sessional services are not getting any wages. And that's a, that's a fact. I mean, one, one woman yesterday showed the, um, some TDs at Leinster House at the end of the year. So she had herself and two other staff. So she takes her wages at the end of the year. So for her whole year of 38 weeks, she's 2,691 euros in her bank account. And that's her wages for working 38 weeks of the year. Now, why would you keep a business up and running for that? Yeah, why would you? Why would you? And there, there is the problem. So any money, uh, you know, excess money that you have, normally, obviously, toys and different equipment get broken throughout the year. And then when you close up in June, you then restock for September. But if there's no money in the bank to restock for September and take your wages then you're not a viable business, are you? So the sustainability fund works in such a way that you you go to the government and you say, I can't make my ends meet. I can't make them wave at each other, let alone meet. And they say to you, well, how much do you need to do that? Here's a check. But then you're back from no, square one again. Is that how it works? But what happens is, in actual fact, the sustainability fund was never open to private providers before up okay. until the pandemic. It was only open to community. So now they're saying they're going to open it up to us. At this moment, there is no mechanism designed for this new sustainability fund. So we have no idea what's coming down the oh, line. Oh, no. 
right? So in all, like yesterday when we were talking to these providers and Zara came from Virgin Media, she was talking as well. And they're telling everybody, you have your providers coming on as well. We're telling you we're closing our doors because it's not a viable business. Why would anybody stay in a business to not even take a wage? And, and that's, you know, that's a sad that we even have to have this discussion. I mean, when the core funding come in, the core funding is absolutely amazing for full daycare services and the larger services. OK, yeah. that's where it's really amazing. But the anomaly here in the core funding is for those small ECC based services in rural and urban Ireland. Yeah. And yeah. they will be extinct, but there's no doubt about it. And yet our minister keeps coming out and yesterday again the statement saying, but there's no evidence. There absolutely is evidence. What? And we tagged him in. There Hang is, on, he, sorry. He didn't, stand, he didn't stand there with a straight face and say there's no evidence. He, he didn't even come out to us. He didn't make any comments, only he, he made a statement to Virgin Media saying that there is no evidence. And I ask, I ask everybody here listening in today, if you go on to the TUSLA website, you can see... There's loads of evidence of closures because it's dipping every single year and people are not reopening. Mm, and it's is, very evident. It, there's a graph there that is so evident of the closures. I will is, send it on to you so you can put it on your the website. The ECCE services are run through Tusla. Absolutely. Right, okay. Good Lord. Like Actually, we've, we've only been course. talking, we've only been talking in the last couple of days, Elaine, about a little service uh, in Farinri on the north side here called Stepping Stones. Mm-hmm where the I decision yeah is and 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 we got a statement from their directors and and which said that the business was unsustainable is that what we're dealing with oh absolutely and stepping you you're so effectively and we can't say that a plus b equals c but the, the closure of stepping stones you you'd suspect is down to something like this Oh, no, absolutely. There are loads even now making the decision not to reopen in September. And I think it's awful sad that our minister and his department will not come out and acknowledge that there is an anomaly here in this core funding and address it now before it is way too late. And that's, you know, that's the reality. They're just not listening. I mean, why would we take to the streets? We have another protest next month. Why are we taking to the streets to have our voices heard if core funding worked for us and our businesses were, were viable? Yeah. No, because we, we got a statement yesterday from, from Stepping Stones and, and part of it was that the business was effectively unsustainable. unsustainable. And it's to me now, it's, it's just after dawning on me that it's exactly the reason you were standing outside Leinster House yesterday. And exactly, and forgive me, I'm not involved in the business, Elaine, so I may need stuff explained yes. like I'm for. No, but, but, but it's the very problem you were there to highlight yesterday is the kind of problem that's forcing places like Stepping Stones to close their doors. Absolutely. And we're fighting for all of these services. And that's, you know, that's why we're out there, you know. And yesterday's protest was a very good protest. We got an awful lot of support from all the businesses as we walked up the streets, up towards the Department of Children. All the windows of the businesses were open. They were all clapping us and cheering us on. And, you know, that's what we need. We need support of, of small, other small businesses coming out and supporting us. Because it's small businesses we know in every sector that are being hit here. Not just our sector, it's all the small businesses. Do we want all those local little cafes and everything else gone? Because funding has been given to the big hotels and the big, the big large businesses. Do you know what I mean? And that's the reality. That's what's going on here. And for our minister to deny that there actually is a problem, 
you know, and not come out and speak to the providers yesterday, you know, that, that was quite, we were quite surprised at that, yeah. you know, because on the, like Tusla are part of his remit and his department. And yet it, the graphics are there to show the closures every single year. And that is a dip in reopening of services. It's very clear and evident. Okay. And they're saying there's no evidence. It's shocking. Elaine, that's the word. Thank you very much. Elaine Dunn, Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. So that is a very likely explanation as to what happened with stepping stones. And remember the the mums I had on earlier in the week upset because their little ones had been shown where they'd be going in September and met their teachers for September. And now, according to the explanation we got from stepping stones, the business is just unsustainable. And Elaine who recognised the name of Stepping Stones immediately, said to me, yeah, that's why. This is why. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Quartz 96FM. By the way, I came across a wonderful piece of wisdom this morning, which I must give you. I, I don't really go with this motivational quote stuff that the internet is full of, but... I like this one. I give it to you before the end of the day. Also, someone was inquiring with regard to the hospital in Spain. Uh, do they play, pay for your flights and accommodation? The answer to that is no. You have to get there and put yourself up yourself. But the HSE will cover the cost of the surgery and cover the host- cost of the hospital. Just to clarify that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, August and February, definitely August, I think February too, are the two months of the year where more people... Uh, redo their health insurance or renew their health insurance or change their health insurance provider than any other months of the year. A certain mine rolls over in August. I'm dealing with my new proposal as we speak. But a recent court judgment means that public hospitals can now no longer count on getting payments from private health insurance. So that's got implications. Let's get an explanation of what it means first and then maybe talk about those implications for us and our pockets. Uh, Dermot Good is health insurance expert with TotalHealthCover.ie. Morning Dermot. Good morning PJ. Put it into simple terms. This court judgment, what did it say and what are the implications? Yeah, so what I'd say first of all PJ for your listeners is that really they won't see any any impact uh, from this ruling because all that was happening was the best way to explain this is that if somebody goes into a public hospital as a public patient, all they can be charged is 80 euro per night up to 10 nights maximum. So 800 euro maximum if Dermot Good is in a public hospital for two weeks. And that's fully covered by my health insurance. Now, if I decide to go privately in a public hospital, okay, um, now you might, you more than likely will not get a private room. In fact, in many cases, nothing will change if you go yeah. privately. But let's just say I opt to go privately in any public hospital in the country. That hospital is entitled to charge my insurer 813 per night instead of 80 per night. So it's yeah. 10 times the rate. For practically okay. the same yes. service. Well, here's the thing. The hospital will argue that if you opt to go privately, they're entitled to charge you the full economic cost of the bed, which, you know, you can't argue it. So where the dispute seemed to, where the insurance companies basically took issue was that what was happening. Now, I might just clarify this by, I'm I'm not going to comment specifically on the actual court case, but just to put this into context, what was happening, PJ, was that 
If you signed that form to say you wanted to go privately, the public hospitals were backdating the private charges to the date you were admitted, even though you might have signed the form two weeks later. And the insurance companies were arguing, well, no, we will only pay the private charges from the date that the, the member signed the form. And that's where the dispute seemed to arise. So what seems to have happened, you know, from the court case, and we've just look, been looking at some of the, some of the let's just say, the, the outputs of this. But what's, what seems to have happened is there's now clarity brought to the situation in that the ruling seems to state that the private charges will apply from the date the member signs the form. In other words, from the date that the member accepts liability for the charges. But what I would stress straight away here is that this doesn't have any impact on any member with health insurance because your health insurance is going to pay the charges regardless. So in other words, if you're a public patient, they will pay the public charge. If you signed a form to say that you accept the private charges, even though they are 813 per night, well, then they will also pay those charges. Now there's clarity as to when the insurance company is liable for those charges right. and what exactly they're liable for. So no member needs to worry about this at all. Yeah, the one if that makes no difference important. to me, Dermot, why would I bother, why, why would I be concerned about it? Exactly. Now, Peter, here's the thing, and, and this is where, you know, consumers need to put their cons- their consumer hat on here, right? And whether it's health insurance or whether it's hotel accommodation or whatever it might be, you should never accept liability for, for extra charges for a service, in my view, for a service you won't get. So I, let me just explain that. If, if Dermot Good presents, let's just say, at, at, at CUH, you know, um, next week, okay, and I, what, I have a concussion and they decide to admit me because they're not happy, I've gone into the A&E door. When you go into the A&E door, you are a public patient. It doesn't matter if you have the most expensive health insurance in the world you are a public patient and you will be treated the same as every single public patient. And you are only liable for, if you are admitted from that position, you're only liable for the 80 euro per night charge, which the the insurance companies will fully pay for you. And I suppose now what will happen is once you're admitted, somebody from the hospital, when they see you have health insurance, will approach you at some stage and they will say, Dermot, we see you have private health insurance. Uh, Would you like us to treat you as a private patient? Okay. uh, And they will ask you to sign a waiver form which basically states I waive all my rights to be treated as a public patient and I accept full liability for all charges mm. that uh, that may, may follow by opting to go private. Now, what I would say, and this is my Dermot Goods general advice, but the insurance companies would say this as well, why would you accept a liability for charges when you may not get any extra services? So the advice we always give to all of our customers are whenever a public hospital asks you, do you want to go private? Your next question should be, well, what do I get if I sign that form? Do yes. I get a private room? And if I do get a private room, put me in the private room and then I'll sign the form. Okay, because yes. you might sign the form, but no private room ever appears. Or will I get access to a specific consultant that I want to treat me rather than whatever consultant yes. is there in the day? So in other words, what will be different? And you know what, PJ? If And to be fair to the hospitals, most times they will say, well, look, we can't guarantee that anything will be different. We can't guarantee you'll get your private room. Well, I would say to people, well, why would you accept liability for those extra charges if they can't give you anything different? And Peter, here's the catch. We've had customers tell us that they've been told by the hospitals, don't worry, it won't cost you anything. That is not correct. Because yes, your insurance company will pay the bills for you. But if they're going to pay 10 times the public charge, you're going to see that come true by way of higher premium costs. So it will indirectly cost you, you know. But if you do get the private room, 
or if you are going into a public hospital as a private patient, if you're skipping the queues or if you're getting access to a specific consultant that you want to attend you, well, now you are a private patient and you're absolutely liable for those charges and, and your insurance company will cover those costs, assuming you're insured long enough and you have the correct plan. Yeah. I think that the companies themselves were, were kicking up about the cost of this, weren't they? Well, I think, look, the issue, you know, and once again, we don't speak for any of the insurance companies and we haven't been party or privy to all the details of the case. But I think what the issue was here is that, so, for example, and this is just a general example now, PJ, it's not a specific case in, in point. But let's just say what was happening was, once again, Dermot Good might be admitted on the 1st of June and Dermot Good signs the form on the 14th of June and, he's, and Dermot Good is in for four weeks, we'll say. He's in for the entire month of June. So what seemed to be happening was the public hospitals were interpreting that if Dermot Good signs the form, that they're entitled to charge him the private rate from the day he was admitted, okay? Whereas the insurance companies appear to be arguing that, no, we will only basically pay the private rate from the date that the customer signs the form. And that appears to be the point, and there's, there appears to be clarity there on that now, yeah. that the charges will only basically apply from whenever the person signs the form. So what I think we'll see here is that you will see the public hospitals obviously getting to patients at the point of entry, at the first day they're being admitted, to try and get them to sign the form. So, you know, that's what I think will happen here. But once again, to reassure all members, you know, you this is not going to impact you adversely. In fairness to the insurance companies, the insurance companies will not be accepting liability for any extra charges that they don't think they're liable for because they know they will just have to cover that by way of extra premiums, which their members won't be happy with. So, you know, look, but but anything that brings clarity, I mean, I've never been happy with these charges, you know, at all, PJ, because I just don't agree fundamentally with people being charged when the extra services that are technically being charged for aren't there. They're not there. You know, and the other thing that... Yeah, the other positive with this ruling is that from what I could see is that, you know, the the ruling seems to, um, let's just say, make sure now that the hospitals explain fully um, what people's rights are before they sign the form. Now, I'm not in any way inferring that they weren't doing yes, that. Yes, of course. But basically what they should be doing now is that if Dermacud is being admitted, you know, what you would hope will happen is they will say, right, Dermot, you can continue now as a public patient and you will only be charged 80 euro per night yeah. and here's what you'll get. But if you opt to go privately, well, here's the extras that you will get, but you'll now be charged the full private rate, yeah. and it's up to you to make sure that your insurance company covers that. And if, if it is laid out like that to people, well, you know, you can't argue with that. that and I would suggest, however, that it is decision. very unfair to Dermot Good to come waving a piece of paper at him when he is in pain and unwell. Well, and PJ, this has always been, look, we've I've commented on this like since this was first brought in by James Riley many years ago, right? You know, people are very vulnerable when they're being admitted to hospitals. Some, they're very ill, they're worried, you know, health insurance, they just know they have it, it's the last thing on their mind. And then when somebody approaches them and, you know, gives them the impression that they have to sign the form, you know, uh, or that you're different, your treatment might be different if you don't sign the form and so on. When people are ill and they're worried, they will just sign anything. Um, and we've had family members being asked to sign forms on behalf of patients. And we've had, you know, we've seen all kinds of, let's just say, unusual cases. I think probably that's the best way to explain it. So what's good about this ruling is that hopefully now it brings clarity to the situation between the insurance companies and the public hospitals. So that if people are going to be charged going forward, they're being charged properly, they're being fully informed, mm. and they're making those informed decisions. But I once again would encourage, you know, and, and you kind of, you asked a very appropriate question at the start where people are saying, well, well, what does it matter if it's covered by my insurance? 
you know you if you go into a you know into a hotel and you're you're basically put in a in a in a basic ordinary room you're not going to allow them to charge you for the deluxe or the presidential suite because you didn't get it you know and and the same thing in the hospitals you know don't accept liability for charges in my view when you're not getting any extra services because it will come true in in the form of extra costs for you you know Mm. and by the way pj more and more consumers are really clued into this because we have people telling us that they were asked to sign the forms and when they asked the hospital or the administrator what extra would I get, they couldn't confirm that any extra benefits would follow and therefore they didn't sign the forms because everybody is entitled to go public. Once you're an Irish citizen, yeah. you are entitled to your tax payments, you're entitled to access all okay. those public hospital services. And when you walk into A&E, you are always going a to be a public. Patient. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Dermot, lastly and briefly, I just have literally one minute. This is the biggest month, August is the biggest month in the year for renewals, uh, should you go to comparison websites? Should you always haggle for a better deal? Well, yes. What I would say, PJ, to anybody renewing, and you're right, like this actually, this is the biggest time of the year, would you believe, for group schemes. Um, so most people in group schemes now, this is the, the all the renewals are landing. And of course, in the middle of the summer when people are traveling and so forth. What I would say to anybody, if your renewal notice lands, and if the premium is pretty much the same as last year, And if you're happy with your plan, you probably don't need to do anything. But if it does increase or if you're not happy with the plan or you haven't looked at it for three years or more or or let's just say one of your kids has now turned 18, which means the cost will go through the roof, you need to shop around. And all you should do is, you know, sometimes, PJ, I just some of those comparison websites, they are helpful, but they never give you the full picture. You're better off picking up the phone to your insurance company and simply saying to them, look, I'm not happy with the premium. Do you have anything that gives me similar cover at a lower cost? Okay. And then if if they don't, you can simply phone up the other two insurance companies and ask them the exact same question. So don't be afraid to tell them what plan you have and tell them exactly what you're looking for and simply ask that open question. Sometimes you'll be shocked at, let's just say, some of the the, the really good plans that are out there. There's a whole range of new plans launched this year. Well, last year I did just that, and I managed to save myself forty quid a month. So, so yeah, it, you're 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 correct, Dermot. Thank you, Dermot. Good uh, health insurance expert with TotalHealthCover.ie. Very good information on his website as well. Thank you, Dermot, for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Ask about. You can save some money. I did last year. I don't think I will this year. I think I'll be staying the same, pretty much staying the same this year. But I did manage to save myself some money last year. So it is worth the effort. It's the time of year when you can get plagued with ants of the flying variety. This is their season. Um, And (laughs) they like warm, humid weather. Um, Yeah. Entomologist Aidan O'Hanlon joins me. Aidan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. They like the warm, humid weather. And the flying ones, they're not a particular... Are, are they a specific mate or type or species of ant or what? Why do we see so many of them? They're not. They're, they're, so they're, um, there's, there's something like 14,000 different ant species around the world. Um, so they all belong to the same family, the Formicidae. That's the taxonomic family, we call it, of ants. So by way of comparison, say a magpie and a rook and a hooded crow, they're three different species that all belong to the crow family. Um, and so in Ireland, there's 20 different ants that are as different from one another as a magpie is from, say, a crow. So around the world, we reckon there's probably something like 20,000. The flying ones, um, they're not their own unique species that only fly because 
famously ants are one of the few insect groups that you see without wings when you usually see them. They're the workers crawling around on the ground yes. and they're distinguishable because they don't have wings. But what happens is queen ants, which are the females, um, they grow wings and they fly when, uh, when the nest gets too full. An ant hive can only kind of expand so, so much um, before new queens have to go out and fly and establish a new colony with, with males. So the males grow wings. Males don't really do much in the nest uh, throughout most of their life cycle. They're there just to breed, basically. So when the, when the weather gets, as you said, in the start there, hot and humid, which is usually around this time of year, the end of July, uh, early August, something like that, um, the ants swarm, so they, they, they leave the nest. The new females leave the nest. They fly around in the sky. The males will leave another nest um, nearby, and they'll fly around in the sky. And what you're seeing is thousands, maybe sometimes millions of individual ants, just new queens, females, and, and the males. The worker ants, which are sterile females, they're still crawling around on the ground with no wings. But the new queens and the males um, that are winged fly around in their millions sometimes, uh, just mating with each other. Oh, and you'll see them sometimes... W- Copper, copper face <laughs> well, jacks on a Saturday. <laughs> maybe so, yeah. Maybe so, but um, they're totally harmless. Yeah, it, it always it always um, amazes me, PJ, when it, pretty much every summer um, we get calls into the museum of people absolutely shocked and sometimes nicely amazed by the you know the spectacle of millions of ants, um, as if they've never seen them before. They're, they're, they're not nice to look summer. at, though, Aidan. You see a swarm of them, and particularly if they get into your kitchen, if you happen, you know, or in the in the garden, they're not nice to look at. So, what do you do if they start to turn up in a place where you don't want them to be? Um, I, well, what do you what do you mean? So, if it's in somebody's garden and say they just don't they don't want to share the garden with ants. Something like that. How do you yeah. get rid of them? Or there's a nest of them under the deck or un, in, under the house, or you know? sure, yeah. Well, there, there probably is. There probably is, but they're they're going to be harmless. They're going to be harmless to the structure of, say, if you've got decking or or patio tiles or something like that. Um, they're only interested in making their own little nests. And yeah, usually, to be honest, in gardens, in um, underneath tiles and decking is where you'll find them a lot. The, the very common one is a species called the black garden ant, which is one of the commonest in Ireland. Um, that's the one that people will see swarming in cities and subur- suburban areas most often. But they excavate their nests and they like kind of dry, sandy soil. So people's back gardens um, is perfect for them. But if you, if you want to get rid of them, I mean, you can block them out from your house. Um, there's certain types of ant killers you can get where, you know, there's the ant powder that hmm. would have been very popular in hardware shops for years. But there's an even better one if you really want to get rid of them. Um, I don't know if it's a specific make, but it's how it works is it's kind of a little pellet that you leave out and one of the worker ants while she's out foraging looking for food for the for the colony will pick up one of these baited pellets and bring it back into the nest as if it were real food that she was going to feed to her nestmates and that kind of that that poisons them all but uh, for I, the most part from, from the ants. sound of your, from the sound of your voice I think you, you don't like us doing that because the message is they are absolutely harmless were they swarming a bit early this year Aidan? They were where I where I am in Dublin anyway, PJ. And I was chatting to one of your producers uh, the other day, uh, Fergus, and he was Fergal, saying that yeah. he saw them on Fergal, yeah, sorry, and, and that he saw them down on the Lee the other week, um, going for a stroll. So, and they they were in where I am. In, I'm in, in North Dublin, and we had them out. I think it was actually this day last week. It was early enough anyway. So as I said, it's usually the end of July, start of August when it gets very kind of heat. That stormy sort of weather, like when you can you mm. can feel the humidity and the heat. Um, but I think what happens, and it's, it's sort of well known, is that in in urban and very built up areas, they get their own little microclimates. 
So somewhere like Cork City or Dublin City is going to be a little bit hotter and a little bit more humid than the surrounding countryside, just because these cities and big built up areas make their own little microclimates anyway. Yeah. Um, it happened in, in London, if you remember, the, do you remember the world, the, the Euro finals there, 2020 finals that were last summer, and it was England against Italy. And the Met Office in the UK actually picked up a huge swarm of ants because, I mean, the size of London, that you, you can imagine the huge populations of, of, of ants there. But it was so big that they were, they thought there was um, a rain cloud tracking up towards Wembley Stadium, but it was it was the flying ants that they were picking up on the weather radars. Crikey. Yeah, and of course, June was unseasonally cold uh, with it the was, heavy cloud yeah. cover. Did that delay the process or did that confuse the ants, do you think? It could have. It could have. I mean, we don't know much about, um, we still, there's a lot to work out about the behaviour of the exact sort of situations that leads to this this swarming behaviour in ants, what exactly triggers it. We know heat is one and humidity is one. Um, but you also have to remember that in Ireland, there's 20 different species of ant. So again, the most common one that people will see is the, the common black garden ant, Laziest Niger is the scientific name. That's the one that will be swarming around cities and people's gardens and yeah. things like that. Um, that species will swarm at a slightly different time of the year to another species that lives in the woodlands. Um, and again, there's, there's, say there's 20 different species of ants. They each have their own little flying time. But even, a mo- even within a species, the ants in urban Cork will might swarm at a different time to right. ants over in Glengariff, even if they're the same species, because the weather conditions weather are conditions. slightly different. And, and lastly, I think, Aidan, the message to people is just leave them alone. They are harmless. No, you don't want them nesting inside in your house and your cupboards, but for the most part, they are harmless. Oh, they're, they're not even for the most part. They're, they're entirely harmless. They're not going to do that. And most of the, again, the common ones, they, they, they can bite, of course, but they won't be able to bite people because they're so tiny. So they, can, they don't have the, the force to be able to break open the skin and, and cause any pain. So like, the worst thing that'll happen is because there's so many of them, they might land on you. But they've, they're in the middle of a, a mating frenzy. So they've absolutely no interest in, they right. wouldn't even notice a person. It's just by sheer virtue of there's so many of them that they will be around and they might land on you, but don't don't even worry about it. All right. Aidan, thank you. Aidan O'Hanlon is an, ent- an entomologist and an ecologist with the National Museum of Ireland. That's all they're doing, lads. They're out getting the ride, basically. That's all they're at. Let them alone. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, looking at the old Sky weather app for the next few days and definitely hot uh, Sunday and Monday in particular they're saying, and these will be temperatures in the shade now, in the shade 25 degrees for Sunday and Monday, so if it's in the shade and you come out of the shade then it goes up to your 26s and 27s could it hit 30? Quite easy, 
quite easy over the next few days. 0818 96 96 96. I have an enormous sneeze brewing, so let's hope I can get through this next couple of seconds without it. A reminder to you, the Back Garden Festival still live at the 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. It is our exclusive online station streaming the biggest hits from the headline acts of all the summer festivals. Brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app or you can go to 96fm.ie. On childcare, I'm listening in Perth, PJ. Oh, good day. Good evening, rather, in Perth, in Australia. The way childcare works in Oz is the government will pay approximately 50% of your childcare. Their thought process is if the parents are back in the workforce, they then pay tax, which in turn covers the government's 50% cost. The Irish government don't seem to get this. They don't seem to care about the people, only about their own pockets. So you pay 50%, the government pays 50%. You're out working, you're paying tax. So effectively, you're reimbursing the government for supporting your childcare, which tends to make sense in my world anyway. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. That little bit of wisdom that I saw this morning, I keep it for you. It's one of those ones, the other way the internet just throws all these silly little wisdom bits at you. Most of them are nonsense, most of them are rubbish, but there's a few beauties, like the one I live by which is everything would be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end I, that's that's my favourite one ever uh, well, there's a few other nice ones and I found a beauty uh, this morning which I'll give you later on but first of all I want to talk about anxiety and uh, the problems of anxiety and anxiety attacks which and I'm just basing this on an observation I may be completely wrong is there more anxiety out there are people suffering from anxiety a little bit more. Do they get more anxiety attacks? What is anxiety? How do you know if normal anxiety is a problem? Can you help a friend or a loved one or a colleague with their anxiety if you think that they are a bit stressed and all that? I've been speaking about all of this with a self-health coach, Sinead Kelly. So, Sinead, I might open by just my observation over the years would be that there seems to be more anxiety around and more panic attacks around than than there were. Is that my imagination or is that a real thing? And if it is real, where is it from? Yeah, so first of all, anxiety is something that's normal. It's, it's something that we all experience uh, from time to time to various frequencies, various lengths of time, and to various degrees. So it is a natural thing that we all experience. I think people have the terminology uh, more now, would be my uh, feeling on it. And I do feel that people are more aware of stress and anxiety at the moment, yes. So is it that we now have a word for something we didn't have a word for before or, or couldn't quite put our finger on what it was? That would be my, my thinking on it, yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's, it's a physical response. So how does yeah. it happen? Yeah, so it, it is actually, it's characterised by feelings of tension, worried thoughts and physical changes. 
So changes like an increase in your blood pressure. So we think about it being in the mind, but it is actually something that physically is happening to us as well. Hmm. And what are the triggers for it? So there is various triggers. Usually people are feeling that things are very uncertain for them or that there's too much and that things feel too much for them. So that can vary from person to person. That could be things like moving house. It could be illness that they're personally experiencing or in their family. It could be a build-up of, um, of work that they have going on, a breakup, an argument. There can be so many different triggers. Um, but I suppose when somebody has no real obvious reason for it, that can be problematic. Yeah. You can't identify what exactly is causing their anxiety. Just yeah. take me as an individual. I, I, I'm generally quite laid back. Very little phases me most of the time. Other times then, the slightest thing and I'll lose it and then have to get it back together again. That's probably a fairly normal reaction. But do people have different thresholds for what sets them off? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose to to kind of say that anxiety is actually, it's there, it has a purpose. It's there for a reason. Okay. So it's helping us to either thrive or survive when we feel a threat. So when we think of threat, we think maybe physical danger, you know, there's a fire in the house. But actually, we may have that same feeling of threat when um, something feels wrong to us, like our, our, our values are being threatened. And so it's there for a reason. And usually in a healthy way, anxiety will go away once we respond to it. So once it's done its job. So an example of that might be you might have something, uh, PJ, that you have to do tomorrow that um, is, uh, you know, it might be like a presentation to your colleagues. And you might be kind of a little bit anxious about doing that but, and you haven't prepared for it. And that anxiety will come up to tell you I need to prepare for this because it's actually really important to me and I want to do a good job. So once you've dealt with it, it goes away. So that's that's in a kind of a healthier, normal, everyday way that anxiety can come up. Yeah, but there are times then, some people, that that would happen and they become unable to perform the task because of the anxiety which turns to panic. Absolutely. So anxiety can... uh, move into disorders then as well. Um, so that's beyond kind of what is considered normal everyday anxiety. Yeah. Now, most people, I suppose, who suffer normal anxiety, if that can use that term, it would be about the things around them, their work, their home, their mm-hmm. family, the well-being of those they love. But I read of people getting very anxious and panicky, for example, about something over which they have no control, like the the war in Ukraine or something on the other side of the world, something that is is not going to, in in real life, land on their doorstep. That's that's worrisome. Absolutely, and when when we're having um, that type of anxiety that can be very problematic and it's very important then to attend especially a GP who can look into that uh, and, and especially if it's impacting your day-to-day life or it's causing you distress, that's the time when you need to go to see your GP and determine if it even is anxiety because sometimes we think we're experiencing anxiety 
when actually there may be other medical reasons like um, hormone issues or cardiology issues. Yeah. You talk about hormone issues, um, focus on, on women for, for a moment. Um, for example, hormone changes around the time of a woman's period, can, can they affect anxiety? Absolutely, it can make it more heightened. Um, just like um, not getting enough sleep, you know, it, it reduces your ability to, to cope and that, that can be another way where anxiety might show up or we might be more prone to anxiety. Yeah. Um, when we don't get enough sleep, the same as times of our cycles, absolutely. Yeah. I haven't slept well. It's just a thing. I haven't slept well on a Sunday night for many, many years. And I notice if I'm going to have a, a waspish day, then it's likely to be a Monday because I haven't slept well on a Sunday night because I'm filled with thoughts of the, of the week ahead. Is that a form of anxiety? That absolutely can be a form of anxiety. So there's there's kind of three different symptoms that people can experience, behavioural feelings and physical. So difficulty getting to sleep, difficulty staying asleep, having nightmares can all be indicators that you may be experiencing anxiety. And in that case, I would always say that it's really important before you go to bed to write down what what are those thoughts that are buzzing around in your head. Get them out of your head and out onto paper that can be helpful or talking to somebody okay. if it's a partner or a friend or someone yeah. yeah order your thoughts before you sleep and don't bring work to bed absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah I, I have been known to do that and it's probably something I should stop at, at what point uh, Sinead does the normal everyday anxieties and stresses that are part of being a human being in a busy world at what point do they become a problem that we need to deal with? I mean, the main one is that it's impacting you on a day-to-day life and that you're feeling distressed by uh, the, the anxiousness that you're feeling. That is the biggest indicator to go talk to your GP. And if you're not sure, if you're kind of wondering, am I am I anxious or, or not? Is it that bad? Because we kind of talk ourselves out of going to yeah. the GP. I would say go to the GP and just have that conversation with them because that is the first place to go, I would yeah, say. That in itself makes people anxious at the thought of, if I go now and land this on Dr Murphy's desk, he'll tell me to cop on. But he won't, will he? Absolutely not, no. And GPs are well used to having this conversation with people. And, I, and something that may help you to actually get to the GP is talking about it with someone else first. Yeah. You know, talking to a friend or, or family because actually not talking about these feelings that you're having can make it feel even more amplified. So it's really important to to share how you're feeling, try and get some context on it and interpret it rather than it all being inside your head that you're you're having these thoughts. Yeah. Try and get them out and talk to people. And and if we have a friend or a family member or a colleague who we feel is a bit over anxious at the moment. Should we approach them and say, "Are you okay?" I don't think there there is anything wrong with asking somebody if they're okay. Um, I think sometimes if we press it too much and they're not really wanting to have that conversation, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. Mm. But but saying that you feel concerned about them about whatever you've noticed, so may, maybe you've noticed that they're snapping at people, that they're more irritable than normal, that would be a kind of a typical sign of feeling anxious. 
and saying that to them, look, I've noticed this, I'm concerned about you. Um, and and seeing how they respond to that, I mean, you can't push it too much. Mm. You know? Yeah. Sinead, thank you very much for, for being with me. It's a, it's a complex area and an area that I certainly think there's more of it out there than there used to be. So thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for you, Jay. That's Sinead Kelly, uh, health, self-help coach on anxiety. Are you suffering more anxiety? Do you think there's more anxiety around than there used to be? What makes you anxious? What bothers you? What What are the things... Do you ever think, do you ever get hit up or anxious about something and realise afterwards, why was I even worrying about that? Why was it even troubling me? Share if you want to. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about damn time to celebrate. Nominations flying in at 96fm.ie for this year's Best of Cork Awards. Best Barber, Restaurant, Best Takeaway, Best Beauty Salon, Hairdresser, Gym, Best Hotel, Pizza. You name it, it's in there and many, many more categories besides the ones I've just named. Pop on to 96fm.ie, nominate your favourite. There's also a 5,000 euro media campaign up for grabs this year with Cork's 96FM. Nominations continuing until we move on to the next stage. We'll be voting very, very soon. But right now, keep nominating Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians, and much more. The awards brought to you only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, early or earlier in this month, or it could have been the back end of June, not 100% sure of the dates. Earlier this month, I think, I spoke to Neve and Sinead Kilcawley. They're a mother and daughter from Dungarvan in County Waterford. Uh, Dad works in Chagaskin for Moy. Neve is 15 and she's been blind since she was nine after she had a brain tumour. And she sat her junior cert in June and under a thing called the race scheme, which is called, which is reasonable accommodations in the certificate exams. It's called the race scheme. She was allowed to have a special exam centre because she's blind, an additional 10 minutes an hour. She also uh, had a scribe, someone who writes the answers and writes the scripts for her. But at the time, Neve was saying to me, look, that's all very fine, but by the time the paper's been read to me and I've just settled in, that's not enough. And she felt she needed more. She needed more time. She needed she needed the system to understand her individual situation more. And herself and her mom have embarked on a campaign to change the system in time for Neve's leaving cert in a couple of years' time. And effectively what they want is a kind of a, a, one, a, a sort of a, what's the word, bespoke system whereby someone who qualifies under this race scheme, that the system can be designed to suit them rather than them having to work with the system. Uh, she's a brilliant young girl. She wants to be a journalist when she grows up 
she makes her point extremely well. And uh, yesterday, I'm delighted to tell you, yesterday, Neve and Sinead had a series of specially arranged and pretty high-powered meetings in Leinster House. Uh, they spent most of the day there. Uh, a follow-on, I guess, from, from the problem they've raised after the leaving search or the junior search rather so they had a series of very specially arranged high profile meetings in Leinster House yesterday and afterwards I caught up with them Sinead I know that you've been meeting quite a number of people in Leinster House following on from your appearance on the opinion line who did you meet? Well, we have had a great um, opportunity to meet ministers, TDs and senators here. Joseph Madigan, Minister Anne Rabbit, Paul Kehoe, Gary Canan, Pauline Tully, Martin Conway, an inspirational senator, mm-hmm. uh, John Commons and um, Pat Buckley and Donica O'Leary, who are, have been great to give us a chance to um, speak and have our voice heard. I know you made your case with me uh, last day on the radio, but what, what case were you making to them for Neve's future? What we were aiming to do, as you know, you know, to get a review of the race accommodation. But of course, that affects Neve's future in the sense that Neve wants to be an individual that contributes to society just like everybody else. Neve doesn't want to have to rely on any handouts for want of a better expression or you know blind pensions or anything like that Neve wants to fulfill her potential in her career in the future and in order to do that she needs an equal opportunity to do her exams the same as everybody else so in other words when she's doing her leaving cert we need to make sure that she's given you know the right opportunity and the right support the same as everybody else in order to have her career and did you feel that the people you were talking to understood the situation I think they did. I really think there's a willingness to engage here. We took up a couple of examples of of, uh, exams that Neve sat recently in the junior cert just to demonstrate the type of issues that we came across regardless of the lack of or the... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. 
inadequate time. So we were able to, you know, have a practical discussion about where we're at. And I do believe that people are willing to listen and try and help us make this system better for everybody, not just, uh, you know, people who don't require extra support. Mm. Put me on to Neve there for a moment so we have a chat. Hello. Hello, Neve. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. It's an exciting day. I'm sure you know the last time we were talking, you said you wanted to be a journalist. When you're a journalist, you'll have to understand meeting politicians. What was it like today? It was a wonderful day. I got to meet so many people who um, welcomed my situation with open arms to be able to help in no matter what way they can. And it's just been such a great day. And to meet people who also understand what I'm going through and are so much willing to help me. Did they get it when you pointed out the problems like you pointed out to me the last time with just 10 minutes an hour given to you and the need for scribes and all that? Did they understand, do you think? I think they did because I explained my situation and I gave them some examples of things that I came across in my exams and they were very understanding and I think that they know where I'm coming from now and have gained the experience to know what to talk about. Now, one thing politicians do, Neve, is they make promises. Uh, did they make yeah. any promises to you? They made promises to make sure that they helped me and other people in my situation and to emphasise what's happened in my junior search and what's going on from my entitlements and to make a change. Yeah. Now, they've got two years. Is it two years or three years before you have to sit you're leaving, so they've got time to work on this. Yes, three years. Three years. So you're you're going into transition, is it after the, the junior yeah. comes out? Okay. So would you would you be hoping to meet any of them again? Um, I would love to meet all of them again. They were so kind and really inspirational, especially Anne Rabbit and Minister Madigan. Hmm. They were inspiring to have women and that they were showing me around and I just had a great day. They're the two women really whose decision it is. Anne Rabbit is the the disability minister and Josepha Manigan is the minister responsible for education especially, you know, special requirements in education. They were two very important meetings. Yes and I also met Martin Conway who is a senator Hmm. Um, so that was a great experience. Yes and Martin has a visual impairment himself doesn't he? Yes. You must have got on very well with him. We did, and it was just nice to meet someone who has experienced what I've experienced and understands my frustrations and challenges. Yeah. So the next thing now is wait, I suppose, for the junior search results. Niamh. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Are you going off on a holiday for yourself now? I'm on holiday at the moment, so I'm having a good time. Good for you. Put me back on to mum for a second. PJ, can I just take the opportunity here to thank one individual? who has supported us um, and we wouldn't have been here otherwise. We wouldn't have got any of the publicity, I believe, without his advocacy. And that is Kieran Delaney. We have been so lucky to have him here because we have met so many people and it's been such a positive experience because of his advocacy and help. And also, of course, 
everybody here in Leinster House that has made us feel so important and welcome. The ministers, TD, senators, everybody. Well, the next steps now will be to see what the follow-up will be, as I've been explaining. Exactly. I don't think Neve needs much explaining. She's going to be a journalist. You have to come back to politicians time and time again and remind them what they've said. But I think today has been a, a positive day for you and the family. It certainly has, because one of the frustrations is feeling that your voice isn't heard or that you don't matter. Yeah. And today, the time that people gave us and the opportunity that we had to actually speak about our experience and the hopes that we have for the future, that's one step in one of many, but it's a very important step going forward. Well, I, I've no doubt that we will talk again. I know you're on holiday, so I'll let you go back and enjoy the rest of it. And thanks for being with us again. Not at all. And thanks to everybody and all your listeners for their, for their support. It's been such a positive experience for us. And thank you. That's uh, Sinead Kilcally and Neve speaking to me last evening just after finishing a string of meetings at Leinster House. Also after the meeting with Minister Rabbit, uh, we discovered afterwards that the Minister brought Sinead's file personally and put it into the hands of Taoiseach Michal Martin because there was a parliamentary party meeting last evening and uh, the Minister told them that they, she was bringing that file directly to Michal Martin last evening. Also, I'm hearing from within Leinster House that uh, her interest in journalism has been noted and that during her transition year, Neve will be tying in with Danny McConnell and the Examiner political team at Leinster House. So exciting times ahead for that wonderful young woman. Do you want to win a hundred euro pennies voucher? Well, we're running another one of our Cork's 96FM music panels at the moment. You need to pop on and vote for the fresh new music we play and you could be shopping for free. Take a 10-minute online survey now at 96fm.ie. Choose the tunes and that could win you a hundred euro voucher from pennies. Pop on and do it now at 96fm.ie. Now, over the weekend, with the weather, the beaches will be busy. And we would hope against hope. And over the years, so many times, we've come in here on a Monday morning and there's been a tragedy. Somebody has been lost in a body of water somewhere. And it's always tragic, but it is even more tragic when it's a child. And Water Safety Ireland has a special resource called the Hold Hands Programme to try to keep our youngest and our smallest and our most vulnerable safe around the water. And I'm joined by Kira Gleeson, who's Education Development Executive with Water Safety Ireland. Kira, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. I've reported on too many of those tragedies over the last number of summers to never again want to see another one. And that's just my impression of it. I don't ever want it to come near my home or near my family. It's the, it's, it's the worst nightmare. And, and it's, it's something that can be avoided in many, many circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely so sad. Um, but look, we're going into a hot summer and this is, especially this weekend coming up, there's people are going to be flocking to the beaches. And for many, it might be the first swim of the year, uh, especially with COVID and the lack of swimming lessons and all of that. So before you even get into the car, what I would say is please make sure wherever you're going to, that it's lifeguarded. 
you know, so you can check that at watersafety.ie forward slash lifeguards. I'll be able to tell you what beaches have lifeguards, what times they're available. When we're at the beach, we're ensuring supervision of children. And, and with supervision, I mean constant, uninterrupted adult supervision. You know, last year, lifeguard statistics showed that um, over 500 kids actually went missing on the beaches. So supervision of children, absolutely, especially around the waterways. And when we're swimming, we're swimming in the swim zone, um, only in between our red and yellow flags. Mm. Those are the main things for advice, absolutely, this summer, yeah. It brings to mind a particular tragedy that we reported on here in 2019, uh, the Mm. tragedy of a little lad called Avery. Um, His mom, Amanda Cambridge, has endorsed your programme. He he drowned in in a swimming pool in Spain. Yes, yeah, at three years old, tragically drowned. And she actually reached out to Water Safety Ireland and uh, she is now one of our water safety ambassadors. She's a huge water safety advocate for ourselves. And from her making original contact, uh, a team got together and we created this, the first water safety programme for creches and early learning and care centres. Um, so that was launched in 2021 and it was to over 4,000 uh, early learning and care centres nationwide. And what the programme is, is it's six storyboards And these storyboards highlight water safety advice at home, on the farm, at the beach, at rivers and lakes, and even when we're on holidays. And the storyboards are all about reinforcing the core safety message for young children, that they should always hold an adult's hand near water. And it's about instilling this healthy respect for water, you know, for children to understand that there is risks, but here's how we can create confidence and we can enjoy it safely while understanding that there's risks. Um, but if you'd like to access the programme, it's all available at watersafety.ie forward slash hold hands. And all of the, the storyboards are there. They're available. You can print them off. You can have them on the tablet. And it's all about just starting the conversation with your, your young kids yeah. and how they can stay safe and how we can keep, all keep safe, uh, especially coming into the summer. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's a conversation, really, that any parent or grandparent can have with a child tomorrow, Absolutely. Saturday, I, before nice. they go to the water. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly. And, and the storyboards are quite, they're very visual, so it's all illustrations. So it's actually a really nice way for the kids to kind of point out the, the, the safety advice themselves, the dangers themselves, and it's letting them lead the conversation and really learn from it. Okay. Hold Hands is the programme, watersafety.ie forward slash hold hands for all the details. And, uh, you know, even before the weekend starts, I'm sure you'd join me, Kira, uh, rather, in, in hoping against hope, fingers crossed, we'll have no tragedies to report on Monday. Absolutely, absolutely. And and look, just before we go to any beaches or waterways, we're checking that they're lifeguarded, we're, we're swimming in the red and yellow, in between the red and yellow flags, we're keeping ourselves safe, we're, we're, under, we're understanding our ability, we're not going beyond our depth, you know, all of this advice can be found on watersafety.ie. Um, and, and absolutely, it's about enjoying the water. It's, it's there to enjoy. We have the weather for us and it's doing it safely. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Kira Leeson, who is Education Development Executive with Water Safety Ireland. I mentioned Amanda, uh, mom of Avery Green, and I won't be here next week. Fiona is taking over the shop for a couple of weeks. Be nice, you lot. But Amanda will be talking uh, to Fiona on the show next Wednesday.
So look forward to that. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Ireland's first and only full-time three-month introductory course in contemporary circus arts is finally here. Auditions are taking place on August 8th in Cork with more information from circusfactorycork.com. Access all areas. On July 28th to 31st, Cork Opera House and Associates with the Everyman present Morrigan, a new opera created by musician and composer John O'Brien and writer Aideen O'Donoghue. It promises to be a spectacular and sonically stunning piece with tickets on sale now from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96FM.ie. Access All Areas with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound. This summer on Cork's 96 FM. WhatsApp message to 083, excuse me, 083-396-9696. Coffee went against me there. Sorry about that. Hi, PJ. I'm absolutely delighted for Neve, and it sounds like she had a great experience. Isn't it a pity, though, that not every young person with a disability can have the same opportunities? Well, you know, if what she's doing and her mom is doing, if it's achieves its goal and if it achieves what they want to achieve other lots of other people would benefit from it but I do get your point actually hello to Neve and Sinead who I'm told are listening to the programme at the moment in Sligo enjoy the rest of your holidays lads in a beautiful beautiful part of the world actually I think I think mum is from Sligo if I'm correct Thank you, guys. Good luck with the rest of the holiday. 0818 96 96 96. I watched a video yesterday. It's a video of an ice cream uh, being turned out of a machine, a cone being made. And I'm going, okay, okay, okay. Stop, stop, stop. How the hell is that thing going to even stand up? It's an enormous cone, a uh, beautiful looking cone. And it was made at the Hurley's Central Shop on Patrick Street, only five minutes walk away from us here. Kevin Hurley, good morning to you. Hi, PJ, good morning. That is an enormous mound of ice cream. How the heck does it stand up on the cone? Well, it stood up for him. Uh, we were just doing some uh, TikTok videos for our social media, and uh, Dermot, he's a supervisor here with us in, in Patrick Street, and his previous employment was with Supermax, so he was uh, well-skilled in making uh, big, uh, big cones, and he did one here yesterday. Um, and uh, it's kind of gone a bit viral there on social media, so it's fantastic, yeah. fantastic, and well done to him. It's a fantastic-looking cone. Uh, put me on to him there till I talk to him. I will indeed. Here Gee. he is. Thanks, Kev. Hi, how are you? Oh, yeah. Dermot, there's a shop in, in me that's claiming to have the biggest cones in the country, but I, I somehow yeah, think... I heard, I heard. <laughs> I somehow... Now, where did you... I mean, look, I, I have in a previous life tried to make a 99 out of one of those machines. And one thing I'll say, like pulling the perfect pint of stout, it is not as easy as it looks. There's skill involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now it took me, well, that's all now, five years experience now working in uh, Supermax and a bit here now as well. And, you know, it's it's uh, handy now to make the cones that way now. So, you know, it, yeah. it gives the customers and it was a, good, a big eye anyway than the cone. They love that. Is there a trick to it? Because to make it so, I was watching the video. No, you can't go up any higher. You really can't go up. Is there a trick to it? Well, I mean, I mean, I could like no, I could try, <laughs> but um, no, I, I suppose it's all about trying to get that uh, twirl right now and uh, keep it uh, in the same 
uh, if you want to go um, for big coins now, you have to make sure it's all even now. If you have, obviously, if it's uh, one, going to one side now, you lose. Uh, the ice can be all over the floor. Yeah, yeah, it has to be dead straight, doesn't it? It has to be dead straight. Oh, big time. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise the weight but of it will, t- will, will pull it off the cone. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Like that's the last thing you want anyway. So. Yeah. And I, you know what I can imagine is you make it right. You go to the trouble of making it, and it's a beauty. And you might even put a flake in the top of it, very, 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 very carefully. And then some fella goes to lick it, and boom, he drops it. <laughs> oh, oh, geez, that's the last thing you want, anyways. And then make him another one there. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you get people coming in looking for big ones? Uh yeah. You 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 get people now look for all sorts of sides now, like you know. And to be fair, now they are unreal here now like and uh we we can make all sides small medium and large and good, good. you'll get some people then looking for big ones then D- does the ice cream mix does it have to be of a particular consistency because i know i know some of them can be softer yes, yeah. than others yeah yeah now like there's a trick like see if you hold down the uh handlebar it's all about going very slow because if you go fast now your your consistency will be uh wouldn't be right on it so it's nice and slow Right. Slow and steady wins the race. Like I see, I see. Because some of the, some of them, and I, I used to love the old, the older pour where the cream, the ice cream was really sort of hard and and frozen when it came out, rather yes, than the yeah, cr- more yeah. creamy one. Uh, it must mm. be. Is it, it, it? But it's it's in the pour. It's in how you. It's a bit like Guinness, really. It's in the pour yeah, or, oh, yeah. or, or Murphy's. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Have you measured it, by the way? Have you measured? What's the best you've ever done? What's the tallest you've ever done? I say, I say that would have been the tallest I've done. Now I can probably do taller now, like because I was kind of worried, am I going a bit too high for this now? Like when I uh, got to the end, but I say I could do taller if I really tried it. Did anybody? But, um, did no. anybody measure it? No, no, nobody actually measured it. No, we didn't actually think we'd be going viral on this. I'd <laughs> say <laughs> so you don't. You want to check out the measurements because it is gone. It is gone viral. <laughs> All right. I could. Uh, I can make another one and measure that one next time. I think <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good plan. Dermot, listen. Good. Good chatting with you, and and the best to, to Kevin and all the staff down there at Centre on Patrick Street. A great shop. Great shop. Um, often pop in there in the mornings when I'm on my way in up here after I get the bus, wander up, grab the coffee, whatever, the water. Thank you. That's Kevin uh, Dermot O'Leary and uh, Kevin Hurley from Hurley Centre on Patrick Street. He, uh, he didn't measure it. He's going to make another one and, and measure that. <sighs> yeah. I wonder, can anyone go taller than that? There's a few people on Twitter and Instagram who, who take pictures of their ice cream. And put it up, and you know. Actually, you know who? Do you know who? Our our old pal and colleague, Ken Tobin, uh, Ken <laughs> Ken's brother Tony is a devil for doing that with his uh, with his ice creams. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Where is the bit? And can anyone? You know the. I'm not a fan of this new, really creamy ice cream. I love the old one. There used to be a few places where you would get them. Um, there's one over in uh, Ballyfehan. There's a mace there, and they do it the old way. There was a garage up in Ballyvalan who used to do it the old way, but they're gone. But it's all gone really creamy and soft now. But you remember the old one where the the, the ice cream was practically it was so frozen there was practically ice in it. Yeah. Does anybody do them that way anymore? 
And is there anybody doing the slices other than, other than the wonderful Angela in, Fort, in Fount, Fountainstown? There I go, photo Fountainstown. Still doing the slices. I know I have ice cream and summer and that sort of stuff on the brain. Allow me, allow me me moment, will you? I'm pawing for the front door to get out of here for a fortnight. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. We don't want to know if you're a socks and sandals person. That's none of our business. But at Borgosh Energy, your boiler is our business. Book your boiler service today and get 20% off for a limited time. Visit boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash services to secure a slot in Cork. Boardgosh Energy. Imagine a better way. T's and C's apply, subject to availability. Discount valid until 31st of July. Visit boardgoshenergy.ie for more. Looking to upskill? Refresh your career this autumn at Griffith College Cork with a wide range of courses in business, accounting, law, computing, marketing, human resources and pharmaceutical management. Find a course to fit your lifestyle. Visit griffith.ie. Do your little ones have jam-packed schedules? Kit them out for less at Dunn Stores with a uniform that can keep up. Our quality, affordable schoolwear will breeze through messy art projects, PE on muddy pitches, and even lunchtime mishaps. So even when you find it hard to keep up with their busy lives, their uniform will. Back to school at Dunn Stores from €3 for little ones with big schedules. Shop online at dunnstores.com. Terms and conditions apply. Cork's 96FM. Bring a little sunshine indoors with the exciting new arrivals at Harry Curry. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or online at harrycurry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I told you about that little gem of wisdom that I picked up this morning quite by accident flicking through Instagram as you do of a morning I tend to like videos like the one I like particularly a fella called Tool Tips and I love all these cat videos and there's thousands of them on on Instagram but I came across this one alright and I'm not much of a one for motivational sayings but I do like this one and it was Morgan Dean um, who posted this up. Morgan is based in South Africa, but she's she's from Cork. And she put up one of these. I like this. See what you think. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. I like that. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that's a nice one, isn't it? That little bit of wisdom I gave you before the news. Um, bad news is 
time flies, the good news is you're the pilot. I like that one. I do. 0818 96 96 96. Here's ones that's come into us during the news on the phone. You know that little orange light that comes on at your on your car on the most inconvenient and inopportune time? And sometimes it comes on just because it wants to. There's nothing wrong. But when it comes on, you have to get it checked out. It's like a little, we used to call it the camcorder light in with an old car. So it was more on, on more times than it was off. And we had no idea why it was on half the time. But it's like a little orange camera, camcorder light. It's the engine warning light. Someone on the phone to us there saying the engine light came on this morning in her car or his car. Went into the local mechanic who has a diagnostics machine. Uh, turned out it was dirty fuel, bad fuel. And the mechanic said there'd been a few people into him this week uh, from the local area with the same problem. Uh, and got it in a very reputable garage. Has anybody come across that? That orange light, it can come on for any number of reasons. And you're always advised to get it looked at. And the diagnosis, it used to be a case if you had to go to a really big garage and with all the computers and the banks of stuff nowadays uh, and I know one young lady in particular who's a mechanic, he's got it on an iPad, an enhanced iPad, he's got all the gear on it and he gets the lead and you plug it in and bang, put in the bottle of car and bang 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 up it comes and dirty fuel is what um, this particular caller's engine light was on and of course you just turn the engine light off then and you put cleaner petrol into it I guess is what you do but she got in a very reputable garage has that come happen with anybody the lads were saying this morning um, Casey and Ross that they found a garage where the petrol was down to 198 <laughs> you know and that's like a sale in pennies these days ah 198 wow yeah it's going to go down a little bit more uh, but not a lot more in, in the next couple of weeks. Actually, I'm looking forward to seeing um, where I'm going on my holidays. The first thing I'm going to have a, a look at when I get off the plane is a Chepsa, uh, C-E-P-S-A. It's a Spanish um, chain of garages and I must look at what the cost of petrol is when I get over there. 0818 96 96 96. Now, today is World Orca Day. If you've ever seen one, they are the most incredible creature. They're the biggest, the top predator in the ocean. Uh, they're fascinating creatures. They're, they're called a keystone species, which is a term that I don't understand. And it's where we'll start the conversation, I guess, with Emer Keevely, who's a marine mammal ecologist and the co-founder of Orca Ireland. Emer, good morning. Oh, she's on the line rather than, okay, cheers. Emer, how you doing? Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Good to speak with you. And of course, I forgot these are these are mammals. They're animals. They're not actually fish. They are. They're mammals. They're marine mammals. So um, today is World Orca Day, and you know us here at Orca Ireland, the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, today are celebrating um, these amazing top predators. And as you said, they are keystone species. So um, globally, you know, they're like, they're severely uh, declining and there's only 50,000 killer whales uh, left um, around the world. And the IUCN has actually listed them as data deficient. 
So um, Ireland has a goal, you know, of protecting 30% of our waters as marine protected areas by 2030. So we're asking members of the public today to help us to collect baseline information on top predators like killer whales for World Orca Day um, and help us to map important habitats for these species and get out and get recording in the Observers app this summer. Now, you mentioned the term killer whales. I I thought, uh, maybe I was misinformed, that people don't like that term for the orca. Well, killer whale is their common name, but their Latin name or their scientific name is Orsinus orca. So that's where, you know, orca came from. But orca was actually popularised by SeaWorld, unfortunately, um, back in the 1960s. So um, they did that so that they could remove the kind of stigma attached to the name killer whale. But um, they're actually called killer whales because uh, some subspecies of killer whales actually feed on other uh, cetaceans, whales, dolphins and porpoises. I see. So, it, so in fact, even the whales, some whales that we get that visit Irish waters actually feed on minke whales and common dolphins. So, okay. um, are, are they dangerous to man? Well, you wouldn't want to get too close to them, like, but are they dangerous to man? No, they're not dangerous to man. No, no, no. Unless you're a big seal or, you know, in, like, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some yeah. of them are... So actually, in fact, the largest aggregations of killer whales in Irish waters are found in offshore waters that follow mackerel trawlers. So they're actually fish eaters. So it does depend on like the subpopulation and where they're based in the world. And that would depend on their diet and depend on their their dialects as well, you know, because they have different almost languages to each other. So yeah, um, they, they're, they're amazing. They they have a way. No, I think I think dolphins have it as well, don't they? But they have a way of communicating with each other in the water. They do, yeah. So killer whales, um, they're odontophytes, so they're um, toothed whales, just like dolphins, and and they produce echolocation clicks and whistles um, and clocks and all these different sounds like jaw claps and things like that, and they have a very broad vocal repertoire, so um, it's very, very interesting, and then different populations have different dialects, so... And they also have culture similar to humans. So they pass language and foraging strategies down from generation to generation. But we're just seeing a, a huge decline in this species globally. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's quite shocking. Uh, there was a population, uh, there is a population in Scotland called the West Coast Community. And there's only eight individuals left. And in wow. fact, the that we see here, John Kyo, he's the most famous one with the big notch in his uh, big tall dorsal fin. Like, there's only eight of them left and they haven't had calves in, in 30 years. So, mm. um, due to, you know, um, high cu- accumul- accumulation of chemicals in their um, blubber and in their bloodstream. Okay. So, this is affecting their reproduction and it's just, you know, it's something that we need to be conscious of. And today is a great day um, all around the world because organisations just like Orca Ireland are all spreading awareness of World Orca Day. Um, and let them be, you know, a symbol for protecting our oceans in general, but whether it be you do a beach clean or what have you, but yeah. you can help too by getting out and recording uh, what you see at sea. We, we, we tend to think, don't we, that something like that, a, a predator that, you know, feeds on fish and feeds on other things in the ocean, that they would be quite safe. What, why are they so threatened, Emer? Is it they're, are they running out of food? Is it a man-made problem? What's happening? Well, there's multiple reasons, but killer whales um, in the British Isles and around Ireland have particularly high levels of uh, PCBs or polychlorinated bifinals. And um, these chemicals essentially affect their immune system and affect their reproduction. And it could be a reason why they're not having calves. But And where does that come from? Is that naturally occurring or do they pick it up in the ocean? No, like it's, it's from human activities on land. It's from, you know, agriculture and it's from oh. pet- 
outside runoff and stuff like that. And, oh. you know, everything, everything we do on land, like, ends up in the ocean, so be it plastics or pesticides. And I suppose, like, all of this is going to take a toll on top predators because if they prey on, let's say, um, other high-order prey, like uh, seals, which are mammals that feed on fish, all of those chemicals are, are bio-accumulating as they go up the food chain. So essentially, by the time it gets to a killer whale, like the concentration of chemicals in their blood and blood is just so high that, you know, it's affecting them on a, okay. on a, a level that's causing a decline. So our activity on land that gets out to sea feeds up the food chain to these wonderful, wonderful creatures to the point where they can't actually breed. It does. And, you know, it does for us as well. Like, I mean, we have, you know, a big problem with microplastics and fish. Like, we're all eating fish and things like that. And, you know, we're not thinking of what we're putting into the oceans and what we're eating. You know, like, it's, you know, it's it's all a cycle. It's all an ecosystem that depends on um, an interplay of interactions and different predators feed on different prey. And all of it combines to, you know, form a trophic cascade. If, like, the top predators are gone, then there's, you know... It's, it's just a big sign if the top predators are not reproducing and stuff like that. We should be worried because we're top predators, essentially, as well. So they're ecosystem indicators of ocean health. Good, you know? point. Good point. So if they're in trouble, the chances are that eventually we'll be, we'll be in trouble. You, you said that some of them feed on, on fish, and I have heard of them following, following trawlers. And there was an incredible piece of video, I think it might have been in Orca, I was going around on, on social a couple of weeks ago, Emer, where the very clever beastie literally nicked the corner of the net and sucked out all the fish inside in it. Is that the yeah, kind of thing they do? Clever. Yeah, they're clever, you know. Like, it's like they, they end up, you know, habituating to the sound of nets being pulled in and um, it ends up being a dinner bell for them, you know. So um, you have killer whales and orcas that, you know, use, trawlers and stuff like that as a quick way to get a quick meal yeah. and then oh that's not good for fisheries it's not good for them but sure. um it's those kind of interactions in, in irish waters are in the high seas and you know up the up you know up in deep waters and up the north up into the north sea so we have gotten reports of um a killer whale from behind a mackerel trawler from a, bo- a fishing boat from Kinsale that was in the north sea and it was amazing to see the footage as they hauled in the the catch, um, the killer whales all coming up behind the trawler, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, check out the nets and like they're so clever, but um, yeah. they're an amazing animal and they're not they're not very common to see in Irish waters. Like they are fairly, you know, infrequently seen, but like but they are seen here. Yeah. And you have a shared responsibility. So like it, it's just a great day to try and spread awareness because everybody has seen Free Willy and everybody loves uh, yeah. killer whales, you know, and orcas. So. Yeah. Um, so what, what can we do to, if there is something we can do for them as it were uh, Ema, to mark the day yeah well like what you can do is you can learn about the species like you can check out our social media we have um, shared a lot of interesting facts and stuff about killer whales and orcas from the, U- the UK and Irish waters um, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter um, or definitely uh, download the Observers app and start learning about the different species that we have here in Irish waters because we have a very diverse array of marine mammals, um, including, you know, like last year we had Wally the Walrus. I think everyone yeah. remembers that. And that was a shock because, you know, obviously he was an Arctic species. But, like, if we didn't have citizen scientists on the ground recording what they see, we wouldn't, you know, have um, this baseline information that's really important that we need to um, inform policy and decision makers on the best places to protect okay. for marine protected areas. You know? All right. Ewer, 
Thanks for being with us um, and uh, to mark World Orca Day. There's an Orca app as well that you can download for your phone. You can observe the Orca app and there's all sorts of information and and statistics and pictures and, and all that. It's available from all your usual platforms. The Orca app. 0818 96 96 96. Beautiful creatures. I think I mentioned this to you where we were staying in Northern Ireland the last couple of years um, on our holidays. We could see down to the water and there was this enormous, I mean huge seal used to come up onto the rocks of a morning time at low tide and they, the locals in Carnlock called him Sammy Sammy the seal, I mean okay, original or what Like, but you could watch this fella diving for his dinner it was just amazing to watch he'd sit there on a rock and he'd sit there and you'd think he was asleep from the distance you're watching him and all of a sudden he would just launch himself into the water and come up with a mouthful of fish fabulous creatures and it's so sad that they are being affected by our activity on land because what we do feeds into the sea and feeds into the smaller fish and feeds up the food chain and then they and then they can't breed which is very sad 0818 96 96 96 on the petrol <laughs> the koi poo I promise I will find out who you are the koi poo says my car is such an old bucket the light comes on when everything's okay. Yeah, I, I had a car like that one time too. It was about the only light left working in the damn thing. Good morning, Tommy Tiernan. There, there has to be a book in you, Tom. Like, there really does. Back in the late 1990s, I had an idea for a novel on the way to a meeting with the publishers. And I don't know if they've ever said this to anybody else before. They said it was unpublishable. Wow. So I know that my, my gift really is not in... Like, even when I was a kid, I would often go in to school with all my homework in my mouth. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 someone just sent us a picture from the south of France they took a photo on holidays took a photo at a fuel station and it's 206 or 207 for petrol, 212 for diesel, maybe the other way around, 207, 208, 212 for the various grades of petrol and diesel. Actually, there's a thing, uh, if you're listening to us on your holidays and you're listening to us on the app or on your smartphone or on your smart speaker that you brought with you, you know, help us to figure out what the price of petrol is around the various holiday spots of Europe and even beyond, if you are beyond. Uh, take a picture of a petrol station price board and send it to us at 083 396 96 96. Just tell us where you are, where it's from. So from south of France, two, between 212 and two, between 208 and 213 are the prices on the, on the pumps out there. 0818 96 96 96. There's an event on this evening organised by NASC, the Migrant and Refugee Rights Centre. It's an event for members of the public who either are currently hosting or who would consider hosting refugees in their homes. I'm joined by Maho Rivas, who is their community sponsorship manager. Good morning. 
Morning, PJ. Now, good to speak with you. Um, have a lot of people taken in refugees, particularly Ukrainian refugees, into their homes so far? I think, it, you know, look, we don't have numbers, and I guess that's, a, I wouldn't have official numbers for you, and I think we're probably underestimating them because so many people were incredibly kind and they just reached out, and a lot of them can, like, might have reached, you know, um, private agreements with people. So I guess that's one of the reasons we definitely wanted to have this event so that people who are hosting and perhaps are not connected to any support organization so that they know that we are here, that we might be able to support them with information, with advice, um, to connect them with other hosts as well. And I, look, I guess we would we would class the number in the thousands um, and that is thousands, but in a situation where we have more than 40,000 Ukrainians in, coming into Ireland. And look, and it's not just about Ukrainians, like I guess last year when it, things broke broke out in Afghanistan, yeah. there are hundreds of Af- Afghan refugees in Ireland as well, who, for whom Irish people have opened their homes and their hearts. And, and you know, I, look, we want to be able to to, you know, support them and give them, you know, information, you know, let them know what's out there to to help yeah. them and also help them connect with other hosts and with people who are being hosted uh, and just, uh, you know, get a bit of peer support there as well. Yeah. You're suggesting to me that there's a lot of people doing it on an informal basis, that they've just opened. I think they're, they're, it's likely to, to be the case because I think it, when the crisis it broke out, I guess we are aware of some people who might have made um, arrangements through social media or who might have had family members or family members of friends who are coming in, so who did it you know, with people that they're familiar with but who aren't necessarily connected with organizations that um, kind of can give them a bit of support and a bit of help. So I guess we know that some people are hosting and and we know that there's definitely so many more people who would love to be able to to host and to to open up their homes. So we just want to be able to to support them in doing that. And yeah, and look, there's no commitment this evening if they want to come and just listen and and see, look, is this something for them? There's going to be information, people who are hosting currently and kind of like just being able to talk to them and just see how is it working out? What are the things that I need to consider? What are the good things to to talk about when I'm thinking about opening up my home to someone? I think, you know, very practical evening is what we're hoping to, to have. Yeah, I, there must be a number of things. If you've done, if you're considering it, you might have a spare exactly. room or a spare couple of rooms. You know, you, you'd wonder, like, mm-hmm. how do I get started? What should I exactly. know? Exactly. What what assistance is there, if any? And it's through exactly. your your this event this evening. Where's it on now? So it's at six thirty today at St Peter's on North Main Street. Um, so we're asking people to register, but look, if they if they want to come in, we'll pull in a few more chairs there. Um, so yeah, North Main Street, 6.30, it's a free event. And um, yeah, look, we'll have resources. We'll be able to just link people in and just hopefully if, if they have any questions, we're going to be giving out our contact details. And I think it's going to be a, an incredible experience for people just to, you know, look, sometimes it's nice to, to hear it from people who are already doing it in terms of how does it work? What do I need to think about? what are some challenges and what are, you know, relationships and, you know, we're all human. So I think it's, it's going to be a a good thing that people will be able to talk to the people who are doing this as well. While I have you there, Maho, and look, this Mm -hmm. event happens on the day that the lead story this morning in the news was a severe shortage of accommodation for 
refugees from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. City West, which, as you know, is a huge place. City West is yes. now completely full. They're talking about putting up tents. We have about 150 refugees arriving every day, most of them women and children. Taoiseach is having a number of mm-hmm. meetings with the relevant ministers. We are at capacity in terms of that kind of accommodation. Is that concerning to you, Mel? Look, absolutely. We were we were very concerned and we, we kind of, we knew that this day was, you know, would come when City West was full. So, you know, we definitely need leadership on it. We've been calling for a national lead to, to be appointed to coordinate the response to Ukraine. Um, but as part of that, you know, look, the, 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 the accommodation issue is a massive one, but we do think that hosting is part of the solution, you know, and I think um, it's it's not the whole solution, but yeah. we know that there is people who are in the community who have a bit of space, who are interested and who are open to it. So we're trying to, to harness that goodwill and generosity of people and see how we can support them in making that happen. Um, and, you know, look, it's really important for both hosts and refugees that are there informed beforehand and then they're supported throughout and that's what we want to, to make happen tonight like we have the information what is made available for us in terms of the recognition payment mm. um, but there are also very very practical questions in terms of navigating yeah someone's systems. just been on the phone someone's just been on the phone there while we were talking and say look I, I might be interested I've got a room but what are the what are the challenges what should I be aware of and look, and that's, you know what, that's point one of one of the things that, that we want people to be aware of. So I guess we know that people who are oftentimes people who are fleeing war and things like that, there might be some trauma there. So we do have information about that, about how to be trauma aware, about how to look after oneself. I think a lot of the kind of like the main questions that hosts might have is just practicalities. And I think it's things that we maybe don't think about in terms of what are the conversations that are really important to have. And it almost sounds a bit funny sometimes that it's like, oh, how do we share a shower? Or what are the rules of the kitchen? You know, kind of like all of those things that are really important when we're living with someone else um and also i think look everyone is coming into it with a really positive attitude if if someone is interested in hosting we know already that they're you know generous and it's look how can we help and and give a bit of supports on that so we have you know there are training courses there are videos there are phone lines we've put together some resources there's also um there's a program that has a bit of seed funding for people who are hosting um just to get a bit of additional resources we can definitely give information the cost of living is is a massive issue we know there's recognition payment that i think the government is hoping that's going to be it started to roll out from mid-July, but that's going to be backdated for people who are hosting already. Um, and look, we've been navigating systems like this with migrants and, and other people in the community. So we can definitely talk to people about, like, look, is there any emergency social welfare payments? There have been um, announcements from the government that people who are receiving social welfare payments themselves um, can rent rooms up to, I think it's 40 14,000 a year without it affecting their social welfare payment. So there have been policy changes made so that people can go ahead in considering these options without fear of losing entitlements. Like the recognition payment for hosts, for example, it will not be affecting any medical card entitlements and things like that. So a fair deal, like, you know, look, there's, there's, there's so many of these things that people will need, will, will want to consider, of course, because they, they don't want to miss their entitlements. 
Um, and look, we're here to help. And um, yeah, so I, I think there are so many things to consider. And sure. on the evening, we're going to have people who have hosted or who are hosting now. Um, and hopefully that will spark the conversations. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe this is a question I have or something that I haven't thought about. So this evening, we're hoping is the start of this conversation. Okay. And we, we are available to, to help and support people in, in you know, okay. right. making the, the best we can. Well, I wish you a successful event at St. Peter's this evening at uh, half past six. Thank you, uh, Maho Rivas. For the, he's the, she's the Community Sponsorship Manager with NASC. And the information about that event, and you can register, is on their website, which is NASC Ireland, N-A-S-C Ireland. Dot org. 0818 did see that story in the news this morning. City West, and I don't know if you've ever been there, City West is enormous. It's huge. It's a monstrous hotel, huge convention centre, and there's another hotel across the way from it, and, and it's virtually full. And they're talking about putting up tents in the grounds to, to host more women and children so so we're almost full in that regard <clears throat> but rather than put the house full sign up at Dublin Port or Dublin Airport or wherever you might want to put one up NASC are saying well if you've got a spare room in the house you can take somebody in there are supports there for you to do it and we'll help you with it 0818 96 96 96 now Rachel Hornybrook good morning to you Hello, how are you? Good, and congratulations on signing up with uh, Board Bia as a campaign ambassador. Tell me about that. Thank you. Yeah, no, listen, I'm absolutely thrilled to be on board with them this year. Um, it's a fantastic campaign. It is the Life is Better with Fruit and Veg campaign. Um, and I suppose for me, it's something I always try to incorporate as much fruit and veg into my recipes as possible. So, yeah, I'm delighted to be working with them. I feel like it's a great fit. Yeah, you, you do a lot of stuff on your social with regard to recipes. And I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Rachel, that a lot of younger people, millennials, millennials, I struggle with that word all the millennials, <laughs> especially. I'm not the only one who does. They they kind of go, oh, fruit and veg, come on. <laughs> or, or, or do they? Yeah, well, look, I, you know, I think a big thing of this is like just learning to like eat in season. Um, seasonal produce is at its peak, like it's tastes its best. Um, so I think just even creating an awareness of what fruit and veg are in season and eating around that, like, for example, stuff that's in season at the minute would be like Irish tomatoes, lettuce, courgette, rhubarb, strawberries. Like the list is honestly endless. Mm. Um, so I think it's just about, you know, using produce at its best, buying local as well if you can. Um, and I suppose really that's where this campaign comes in is, is showcasing delicious recipes. I think millennials as well are quite time poor. Um, so if they don't, you know, if they're not invested in what kind of recipe they're making, if it's not something they're really looking forward to, they're not going to put time into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so time is valuable. So they don't... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's where I come in. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Now, you started doing this blogging and doing the recipes. It's 10 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> 10 years I ago, you're at this. Do you ever think that yeah. you'd have 30K on Instagram? Do you know, no, <laughs> I didn't. I suppose... Like when I started it back then, you have to think there was like Instagram was only 
do you know, in its very early stages. I don't even think I had an Instagram page until about maybe five, six years ago. Um, So, no, I think really for me, it came from just like my mum is a phenomenal cook. She's an amazing gardener as well. So I always grew up with that kind of real just like love for food. And I suppose a real appreciation as well, because like she, you know, used to grow her own fruit and veg. I was often sent down to the raspberry patch to to pick raspberries if, if anyone has picked raspberries they will know <laughs> it's a very tedious job it is. um so even just having that you know appreciation for food and the way it's grown like it is it's hard work so yeah I suppose I used to come home after school every day and go baking go cooking and she was always incredibly encouraging of that mm. um so yeah just it kind of stemmed from there I had this little recipe bible I used to use and um it's just write down all my recipes into it and I was like do you know what? One day it's just like, I might just start a recipe page and actually share it with, with others. And it yeah. just kind of grew from there, really. Ten years ago now. It's, how time, yeah. how time. Now, you're top of the lovely, attractive stuff like tomatoes and, and carrots and, and other such things. To, you know, apples, whatever, raspberries, strawberries. <laughs> yeah. It's not difficult yeah. to make those things attractive, even a beetroot. Not, it's not difficult to make those... How the heck do you make a turnip attractive? <laughs> do you know, a turnip, I feel, is very underrated. I think for a lot of people, and, and this kind of stems to a lot of like other, you know, veg and stuff like that, when you're doing it with your dinner, you might get into a little bit of a, like a recipe rush. You might just like throw a few veg in a pot, boil the absolute bejesus out of it and serve it up. And you're never going to look forward to that, you know. And I think it's about just coming up with new ways of using using veg that you might think, mm, it's not for me. That definitely goes for turnip. Um, I think it is gorgeous when it's roasted. And now you can do it very simply with just a little bit of rapeseed oil, salt and pepper, some herbs. But what I actually think really elevates like any root vegetable would be just a little bit of curry powder. It works so well. Do you know what? Do you know what? I wouldn't touch a parsnip, but put a bit of curry on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's divine. Yeah. And the same with cauliflower, actually. Roasted cauliflower with a bit of curry powder and turmeric and just, you know, Mm. flavouring it up and making it the star attraction. Well, I'm different there. I I like macaulay just straight out of the boiled water with a pinch of salt. (laughs) I'm sure, look. Anyway, it's delicious with cauliflower. And it is, you're right. No, I just have a thing about turnip. To this day, I will only eat it raw. Really? (laughs) Yes, yes. When my my mum was cooking turnip when we were young lads, she'd always hack off a slice. And when she was chopping it up and cooking it, I would have a big slice of raw washed turnip. And to this day, I won't touch it cooked, but I'll eat it raw all day long for you. Yeah. That's... (laughs) That's that's a new one now. I'll have to give that a go. <laughs> What's the weirdest combination you've ever found that, hey, that works and I didn't think it would? Do you know, there's a recipe and it's actually my sister, um, my sister gave to me years back and it's very simple. It's just um, butternut squash. So you literally just peel it and chop it up and roast it with a little bit of paprika and cumin right. and a bit of oil and then... Literally, by 10 minutes before it's fully cooked, I pop on some feta cheese and some pumpkin seeds. Okay. And it's kind of, it sounds a bit random. Um, like you don't think the baked cheese would be that nice on top of it, but it's the sweet and the salty. And I like I do find the sweet and salty combination, I think it has to be my all-time favourite. Like in pretty much most of my recipes, I'll always add a pinch of salt, whether it's, it's sweet or savoury, I'll always add a bit. Yeah. So I do think that sweet and salty 
flavour just really, really works. Yeah. Um, you seem fond of the, the curry and the spice as well. I do, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I love lashing on plenty of flavouring and seasoning <laughs> to anything. Yeah. People do more and more now in multi-cookers, you know, multi-new new gadgets. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big fan of them, I must say. And especially as someone, you know, I, I do work full time as well. So having that kind of quick and easy option of an air fryer is, I personally find it life saving. Um, like you can literally flick it on. It's preheated in like less than a minute. Um, and for stuff like chips, like it's actually really, really good. I have a, I have a good recipe on my page of, of how to do air fryer chips and a good bit healthier as well. And even for stuff like I love baked oats in the morning right. so like literally just whip it up add in i always add like raspberries or strawberries and then pop it into the air fryer for like less than 10 minutes that's your breakfast done very convenient um but also slow cookers are ideal especially if you're kind of time strapped in the evenings if you can maybe do it on your lunch break or in the morning yeah um i love making this like beef casserole with loads of butternut squash and carrots and onions and yeah. celery and then you literally just pop it into the slow cooker and forget about it for the day. They're brilliant. One last say. one. We're big on smoothies in my house. Any tips for a particularly good smoothie? Oh, do you know, I so I always keep like loads of fruit in my freezer. And it kind of stems from like even last week I was going on holidays and I had a load of berries. If I've ever any fruit that's kind of gone a bit soft or mm. just a little bit past its kind of sell-by, I'll chop it up, I'll pop it into the freezer and you always have berries as well. It's yeah. just so handy. So I'll always pop a little bit of frozen fruit in, a bit of nut butter, oats and kind of milk or yogurt, um, but also a little pinch of cinnamon and then maybe some flax seeds would be kind of my go-to. Cool. All right, Rachel, good luck with the uh, connection with Board Beer for the next uh, couple of years. And Pete, you can find... Uh, Rachel on all the platforms Instagram being the big one she's got 30,000 on Instagram 0818 96 96 96 Join me Saturday mornings from 10 I've got 4 hours of the best music mix Check out the Cork Weekend Survey Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question There's the latest celebrity goss A look at what's happening around town And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news Wayne Hilton Saturdays 10am With CarMax Used Cars Supermarket Dublin Road for Moy Great deals on hundreds of cars Just a short drive from the tunnel Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X CarMax.ie On Cork's 96 FM. Finally today, you take the seven Harry Potter books and you take a couple of hundred different characters in those seven books and you present them all on stage. All seven books. And you do the whole lot with two people. And you do the whole lot in 70 minutes. How the hell do you do that? It's called Potted Potter, uh, devised by two characters called Dan and Jeff. It's Potted Potter, the unauthorised Harry experience. It's coming up with the Everyman uh, later this month. Dan, uh, Dan of the aforementioned Dan and Jeff. Dan Clarkson joins me. Hi, Dan. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I watched some of your videos last night. 
It's and as oh, someone and you're still talking to me, that's lovely. <laughs> who has seen every one of the movies, and and my daughter has seen them multiple times. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a work of genius, mad, crazy genius. Yeah, where did, there where is the a ad- thin line between madness and genius, isn't there? And I think we've hit it with this show. <laughs> where did the idea come from? It was for the launch of the sixth book uh, all those many, many years ago in a time they called the noughties um, when these books were coming out at midnight and a London bookstore wanted something to entertain the crowd. So myself and Jeff, as two much younger men, came up with this idea of doing all five books in 15 minutes just to give everyone a recap before they got their hands on the sixth book. And it went surprisingly well with the fans. And so we took it up to the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. We added in the sixth book. And then eventually we added in the seventh. Then it sort of toured the UK, went to the West End, and then it started going crazy. And we went out to Broadway. We toured America, Australia. And now, like the cherry on top of the cake, we get to come and do a tour of Ireland, which is phenomenal for us. Getting seven books and what was seven, two, often two and a half hour movies Mm -hmm. into into an hour like what it's it's a case of what do you leave out not rather than what do you put in i mean but to be fair book number seven is just camping and death so that's really easy to cover quite quickly (laughs) Um, (laughs) it is but um so we have the one character jeff who plays harry potter which leaves my character playing all 360 other characters so i get to cover everyone from ron to hermione to he should not be named to serpents to dragons um, so it's an amazing workout for me. I would recommend it. I call it the potted plan. And it's gone all over the world. It has indeed. It's been amazing. We we owe that boy wizard a lot. I mean, I wish it was that people were coming to see me, but I'm well aware of this huge following that Harry Potter has. I mean, yeah, it was like the Beatlemania for books. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. Yeah. You know we have a very strong core connection to Harry Potter anyway. Yeah, well, this is what I've been told, and I mean, I, I come show. to Cork a lot. For the, yeah, I come to Cork a lot for the jazz festival, and I always take the Harry Potter tour that goes on there. Mm. Fiona Shaw played his mum. What's oh, and she's Cork based, of course. She's from Cork, yeah, not just Cork yeah. based. She's from well, that, Cork, from up the from road. Cork, sorry, that, that's <laughs> what I meant. Well, the ride, that, oh, there's yeah, a man, character man. I'll be adding to the show. <laughs> Cork adding Harry's mum. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> And it is. It's manic. It's utterly and completely manic. Now, how the hell do you play Quidditch on stage? Uh, now, yeah, this is this is something where we involve the whole audience. Everyone gets a chance to play. There's quaffles, there's beaters, there's bludgers. Uh, we've only ever lost one child, and that was in Australia, so no one cares. So it's fine. <laughs> I mean, Quidditch involves flying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me, the the whole audience will be on brooms. You you have to, it's seeing it is believing it and watching uh, middle-aged men there with their kids swooping around left and right and waggling their brooms is something to behold. This is sounding like so much fun. <laughs> it, it, it's an amazing, I, mean, I think what's great is it's a chance for all the Harry Potter fans to come together, but also people... And there are people out there who don't know the books or haven't seen the films, which I can hardly believe. But this is a great chance for them to sort of come along and have fun and be introduced to the whole series and see what all the fuss is about. Absolutely. Listen, you're in The Everyman uh, Friday 29th to Sunday 31st July. That is the August weekend. 
as it were. Good luck with that and tickets on sale at the moment from the Everyman. Dan, from Dan and Jeff, who have written and presented Potted Potter, the unauthorised Harry experience at the Everyman on the August weekend. Seven books... 300 and, did he say 360 characters? Maybe 361 now, because you're going to write in Harry's mum, played by Cork woman Fiona Shaw. That's a great, that sounds like such a lot of fun, that show. 0818 96 96 96. Come here, he's having a great response to this, but he answers us to mention it for you again. The hit mix, speaking of things happening at the weekend, the August Bank Holiday weekend, not just got potted potter at the Everyman, also Indy 22 is on this August weekend. And all this week on the hit mix, Shane Books gives you the chance to win a pair of camping tickets for the weekend. Serious prize this one. Uh, Friday, July 29th to the 31st at Mitchellstown. Super lineup. Fatboy Slim, Bastille, there's their day today. Bastille, Becky Hill, Lyra, how brilliant is she? And she's getting bigger and bigger and bigger as a star. Fantastic to see. The academic, rudimental, loads more. Books has the deets on how you win, how you get to be involved in that every night from 8, only on Cork's 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. I'm with you every evening on the big drive home. Wherever you're going, I've got you covered with the freshest new music, the latest traffic updates and your daily showbiz fix. There's a chance for you to bag a smart speaker on the takeover and Love Island lowdowns with the stars of the show. I'm using the Mallorcan Villa. On the first night, I was very shocked. We had and hair makeup. You're in there to find love. You've got to look your best. So make sure you're with me every weekday from four. The big drive Drive home on Cork's 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.